Remember, freedom is a gift from God. Choose to accept it, guard it, nourish it, share it with your loved ones. Don't let anyone take it from you. Choose to be free. Learn how to choose freedom with your host, Dr. Baruch Platner. Welcome to the show, my friends. Uh, this show, I want to talk about something that's bothering me, especially about our side of the aisle, conservatives, right-wingers, Trump supporters. And that, uh, that thing that bothers me the most about, about us is ignorance. And there are two types of ignorance, the way I see it. One is excusable and the other one is inexcusable. Excusable ignorance comes from difficult circumstances. You know, um, I, I, I was substantially a refugee from um, the Soviet Union to Israel when I was 10 years old. And so were my parents in their early 30s. And they didn't know much about how to survive in a, in a free economy or more or less free economy. They didn't know any Hebrew, neither did they know English. Um, and, and same goes for me. And uh, there was really a lot of things, many things that we didn't know. But there was a reason why we didn't know them. You know, people can be b born into difficult circumstances, uh, poverty, broken homes, uh, where their parents cannot afford to send them to school or uh, simply don't care about it or uh, things of that nature. And so of all the things that we should be aware of, we are not because of these sometimes difficult starting conditions and uh, this is what I called, this is what I call excusable ignorance. But then there is the kind of inexcusable kind. And the inexcusable kind, I believe, is much more prevalent in America because, let's face it, Americans, even those who are less fortunate, uh, live in a world today in which everything is available to them. The entire body of world literature is at your fingertips. Uh, most classics are on Amazon Kindle are free or 99 cents. Um, libraries are substantially free. You can go get hard copies. And even education, which is normally expensive in America, but there are community colleges and even state schools, you know, in other words, universities such as University of Massachusetts that if you are a Massachusetts resident, that are not really all that expensive, at least by American standards. And yet what I see happening on our side of the aisle especially is a kind of um, willful and arrogant ignorance. In other words, people say, ah, you know, education, especially higher education, is nothing but communist indoctrination and various types of propaganda, so it's a waste of time. Now, I have a couple of things to say about that, and neither one of them is kind. One is that those people who are often telling you on Twitter and other places that uh, good education is a waste of time fall into two categories. 
The first one is people who actually are themselves quite well educated and whose education made them uh, wealthy. In other words, whose education enabled them to have the platform from which they're reaching out to you and talking to you, right? And so I think it's more than a little disingenuous for those people to tell you that education and getting it is uh, not worth your money or not worth your time. You know, and the, the other kind of people that um, belittle education are people who have very significant talents that are rare in the population at large. So, for example, there is a very uh, interesting personality on, uh, on, on Twitter uh, and has a radio show and TV show and so on, and his name is Jesse Kelly, right? And uh, he often boasts that his um, uh, education is only in a community college. So um, even if I take uh, Jesse Kelly's um, a kind of assertion that he's uneducated at face value, he's, uh, he represents the kind of people that are talented. You know, he has the gift of gab. He's funny. He can express himself very well. And people want to listen to him and people want to pay to listen to him. And certainly for the very small minority of us that can be the kind of athletes, painters, musicians, and even salespeople that people want to pay money to, um, there is a way to gain agency, to gain power, to gain wealth without necessarily um, being very well educated, even though most musicians go through uh, very rigorous training in music and and so on. But let's just say that there are also musicians who are self-taught and who were absolutely great, like Louis Armstrong or something like that. So, but that applies only to a very small minority of us. I mean, us regular folks, you know, you and I, we can't really do that, right? I mean, we have to kind of be with everybody else, we there's nobody that wants to pay us to to see us, you know, play or paint or play an instrument or play baseball, and we probably cannot, uh, you know, excel at selling either. I know I cannot. So what do we do? Well, I mean, ask yourself just um, looking at society. Who is more powerful? Who has more agency? Who is more influential? And who has more money? People with or without higher education. And I don't think you have to, you know, think about it too hard to answer. The answer is uh, absolutely unequivocal. And it is that people with higher education, graduate and postgraduate degrees, uh, and especially professional degrees like lawyers, doctors, CPAs, um, are by far, by far, more influential, powerful, and wealthy. In other words, they have far more agency than people without college degrees. So all this talk about how college degrees are a waste of time is, I mean, it's, it's simply and, and demonstrably wrong. Absolutely wrong. Now, if you're worried about 
communist indoctrination for your children or yourself if you go to college, well, maybe that's a valid concern. So don't go to things like English literature, history, anthropology, psychology, social studies, uh, political science, um, women's studies, gender studies, and so on. Go and study engineering, my friends, okay? How about mechanical engineering? How about aerospace engineering? How about civil engineering? Chemical engineering? Software engineering? Electrical engineering? How about that? I mean, as somebody who has completed, uh, granted a fairly long time ago, uh, bachelor's, master's, and PhD in engineering, but also who is very familiar with people who are studying science now, but I would include in that biology, chemistry, sciences, pure sciences, physics. If you go to, to that type of school, believe me, you're not going to be indoctrinated in anything. You're going to study mathematics at a high level, which is a skill that gives you agency throughout your life. You're going to study physics. You're going to study chemistry, biology. You're going to study how the world works, how your smartphone works, how programming works, how your computer works, how your TV works, how your smart electric car works. Okay, you're going to understand when structures fail and why they fail. You're going to understand something about sound, vibration, control. This knowledge gives you power. This knowledge gives you agency. This knowledge guarantees your employment. And with a bachelor's degree, even in one of those uh, softer things that I mentioned before, you can certainly go to law school and become a lawyer. And lawyers make very good money. So, of course, some, you know, some people tell me, well, you can also be an entrepreneur. And you can... Yeah, some people can, a small minority. Most people cannot be entrepreneurs. There is not, there can, by definition, cannot be an economy, no matter how much the government tries to propagandize this. There cannot be an economy in which we are all, you know, startups and entrepreneurs peddling some stuff to each other. It doesn't work that way. Okay, and believe me, and we all know that being employed today, especially by a large corporation or by the government, is far more lucrative and safe, safer, than being some sort of small businessman. And especially in today's environment in America, not only in America, but elsewhere in the West, where uh, the powers that be, and believe me, they're be, they're here to stay. They really want to squish uh, and destroy small business owners. Well, let me ask you also some, another thing, right? How many people who were in the so-called trades, you know, plumbers, electricians, you know, you name it, right? Diesel mechanics, how uh, truck drivers, how many of those do you see in Congress? Eh? How many of those are senators? How many of those are serving in your local city council or your state legislature. You'd be hard pressed to find one. Who are those people that are, that are lording it over you? You know, are they plumbers? I don't think so. 
Most of them are lawyers. Many doctors. As engineers, scientists sometimes. And people who were very successful in business as well. Usually with education. There are very, very few people in in positions of power who do not have college degrees. Very few. You're talking about single percentages. So when you, personally, or your children, when you recommend to your children to not pursue a college degree, you are condemning them, condemning them to a life of powerlessness, a life of zero agency, a life in which they can never influence their own surroundings. They they will not be influential. They will not be leaders, no matter what. There's nothing they can do. You know, after you go get past the age of 20, something like that, if you don't go to college, you're going to be powerless utterly your entire life. And this may sound harsh, and if you are, you know, older like I am and you haven't gone to college, then ask yourself, am I powerful? Now, some of us have done very well without college degrees, with our own businesses and so on, and I realize that. But that's a minority. The majority, sure, you have a job. Right? You have a job. And you may be sitting in, in your you know, backyard and enjoying a barbecue and you have a nice home and you have a, a nice truck and a boat maybe, or ATV in your driveway. But what is your net worth? What happens if the powers that be that don't give a damn about you decide that it's time now to raise interest rates where where they're now at just about zero to something more closer to their historic average of, I don't know, 5%. Believe me, the moment that happens, you will be hanging for sale signs on everything you own, including that fancy barbecue. So is that agency? Is that power? Is that what you want for your children? This utter dependency on other people making choices like, you know, what would be the interest rates and so on? I don't think so. I think that we all want for our children to be powerful, influential, rich, and happy, and fulfilled with what they do in life. So, is that possible without a college degree? If you ask me, it is not. My answer is unequivocal, it's not. You are not going to be powerful in this country, in America, or anywhere else, without a college degree, Unless you are exceptionally talented for something. And unless you are, you have the kind of this gift that allows you to become a successful business person and so on. Hire other people. Because if you just have your own plumbing company, you're not powerful. If, if you're the only one working there. But if you have the talent to grow it and to have many people working for you and so on, sure. How many of us can do that? And how long it's going to last. You know, they talk about 
they talk about uh, jobs that are going to be disappearing because of automation and so and trades are rarely mentioned in that in that category but i think trades are at a high risk because when you look at for example construction construction related trades or you know trades around the home like electricians and so on well they're not going to be building homes anymore the way they used to where there's a carpenter makes the frame and then the electrician comes in and puts the wiring and that's 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 almost gone certainly it's gone in commercial construction there go everything's going to be made in a factory where people working there are not even electricians they're just they're just, they can just follow simple procedures and those will be replaced by robots soon and various mechanics of internal combustion engines where internal combustion engines are not going to they're at the very end of their life cycle they're not going to be here for much longer so being ignorant is equal to being powerless more of that in the next segment My fellow Americans, we sure do love our convenient shopping options. But what happens after we buy? Are the products coming from China or overseas, thereby putting our fellow Americans out of business? Are the profits being sent to groups like Antifa, Black Lives Matter, groups that intend to destroy the freedoms that we enjoy? Well, listen, I'm an avid consumer just like you are. But I've realized that we need to think before we buy. Shopping should be convenient and easy, sure, but we need to be able to follow the money. Well, ShopToTheRight.com. It's brand new. It's a new shopping platform featuring American companies with a focus on products that are made right here in America. Well, listen, this is a novel idea and one that I believe will start to become more popular and create a shopping revolution. ShopToTheRight.com. Think back to the last time you felt healthy and energized. The best times of our lives occur when we're at the peak of our health, sleeping better, full of energy and focus. We know that fades with age, and you might be feeling the effects of aging as low energy and poor sleep. But it doesn't have to be that way. There haven't been any nutrition systems designed to rejuvenate our bodies as we get older until now. Healthy Cell Pro is the only multinutrient system that impacts the building block of your body, the cell. Created by anti-aging expert and Nobel Prize nominee, Dr. Vincent Giampapa, award-winning Healthy Cell Pro cuts through the complexity of nutrition supplements by simply giving you the purest ingredients, filling dietary gaps to nourish your cells and enhance your quality of life for optimal performance. Visit HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for an exclusive discount or call 844-869-9958. Welcome back to the show, my friends. One of the saddest parts about what's been happening with uh, President Trump and the election and all of that is that uh, the people on our side keep repeating this number, you know, of, of number of Trump supporters ranging from 70 to 80 million. And sure, maybe. Uh, let's say that uh, whichever number you take, it's about half of the American electorate. If you want, if you want, I'll grant you that it's more than half. 
55%, okay, 60%, okay. But my point is to you that it's the wrong half. The people that support Trump are the wrong half or the wrong 60% of the American people. And when I say the wrong, when I, when, what I mean by saying that it's the wrong half, I mean it's the, the half that has no agency. It's the half that has no money. It's the half that has no education, which is why it has no money. It's the half that are plumbers and electricians, not engineers, doctors, and lawyers. It's the half that does not sit in, you know, the exalted halls of academia, courthouses, and legislatures. It's the half that toils day in, day out, trying to put food on the table. And of course you can say, well, what's wrong with that? And I tell you nothing. I respect people who toil hard to put food on the table and do whatever it takes to put food on the table their entire lives. I have the utmost respect for them, but I'll tell you one thing about them. They're not influential. All right. They're not the people that drive the direction of their own country and never will be. Since time immemorial, since civilization began, you know, in Samaria 6,000 years ago, in parallel maybe in Egypt, in, in the Great River Valley, the, the Hindus, the, the Yangtze, the Euphrates, Nile, even back then, in those civilizations, the people that were toiling to dig irrigation canals had zero to say about whether their country was going to choose war or peace, whether it's going to make treaties with its neighbors that do this, that, the other thing, or even when to dig and when to stop digging, or where to dig, or how deep to dig. All of these decisions were made by educated people. Right? by people who invented and then used writing, by people who observed the heavens, by people who could, you know, if somebody wanted to sell a goat to the other guy, they went to a scribe and make a, made a contract and recorded it on a clay tab tablet or on a piece of papyrus, and we have many of those remaining. Right? Well, who had the power in this situation? It was the scribe. <laughs> the, sp the scribe, the guy who had education, he, he had the power. Not the guy with the goat or the guy buying the goat. And it's no different in America today. I respect every single one of my listeners, be they plumbers, electricians, and, or, or engineers, or, or, or you know, forklift drivers, or whatever. But I'm just going to tell you, if you don't have a college degree, you don't have power. You don't have, if, if you uh, are uneducated, you are not influencing the direction of America. Now, you may say, well, America is, and I'm going to come back to this point, a democracy or a republic. And I'm, I influence it via my vote. And I say, don't make me laugh. Because we saw what happened in this last election. Nobody cares how you vote. Nobody. And how they circumvent your vote is very easy. There's two ways. 
One is they only allow people to be on ballots, to be elected, who are acceptable to the establishment. There's this very <clears throat> nice young Jewish woman, Laura Loomer. She tried to run in South Florida against another Jewish woman, much older, Frankel, I think her name was. Frankel was an establishment Democrat. Laura Loomer was this upstarty, very pro-Trump, very conservative, very right-wingy, you know, firebrand. Eh? Well, she was banned, of course, from every possible piece of social media that has ever existed, and she lost. Now, has she lost because uh, she didn't get enough votes, or has she lost because the people counting the votes were told to make sure that she didn't win? She didn't win. She couldn't win. Either one. Either one. Huh? Didn't matter how many votes Trump himself actually got. What matters was that the people counting the votes in all those swing states like Georgia, Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania, those people were working for the establishment. In other words, they were working for the educated, rich, powerful elites. Okay? So in other words, nobody cares what the plumbers and the electricians and the forklift drivers did when they went to the voting booths. No, booth. Nobody cares. First of all, they're not going to allow you, they're not going to allow the person you want to be on the ticket. Most likely. But even if they somehow squeak, uh, you know, squeak in, there's no way that they're going to allow them to, to be elected. They're just going to cheat. They're just not going to count their votes. As simple as that. There's nothing simpler. They're just going to say, okay, let's, Loomer, nope. Throw that out. That's it. Simple as that. Voting gets you no agency. There's no agency that comes from voting. So you can ask, well, how do we become the vote counters? Or how do we make sure that the people who count the votes count them correctly, you know, and so they don't throw out our candidates? And I say the only way you can make sure of that is become powerful, which means become educated. You cannot vote the people that you want to be counting the votes. There is, that's not how it works. That's not how it works and has never worked that way. Believing that it works that way is ignorance. You know, there is something that really, uh, I've, I've written about this in a column that will come out <clears throat> at the same time that the show is being played. I think it should be out already. Anyway, I've written a column that says, you know, Ignorance killed the American Republic. And the first thing I say there is my kind of my pet peeve that speaks to this deep, willful, arrogant ignorance that exists on the right side of American politics is this whole issue of is America a democracy versus a constitutional republic? And there's so many people on our side, I always find it kind of laughable, but also a little bit upsetting. Because there are so many people on our side that say, well, America is not a democracy. America is a constitutional republic. You idiot. You shouldn't say that. America is not a democracy. Well, that's just stupid talk, my friends. America is a democracy because democracy and republic are synonyms. They, may, they mean exactly the same thing. 
And the people who are repeating this mantra that America is a republic and not a democracy simply don't understand anything about these words or their etymology, in other words, where they come from linguistically. Why don't they understand it? Because they're ignorant and uneducated. The word democracy is from the Greek and it just means rule by the people. And the word republic, there is an S there that in English dropped out. S, the S sounds often drop out in various languages. But in Russian, for example, the word republic is more like it's Latin name, which is where it comes from, res publica. Publica is people, same as demos. Demos Greek, publica Latin. Same exact word, two different languages. In fact, publica and people is the same Indo-European root because both English and Latin and Greek are Indo-European languages. Okay. And res in Latin just means matter or thing. So when Romans called their democracy by a name, they didn't use the Greek language, which they didn't know. They used their own Latin language, which is what they spoke in. And they called their system of government the thing of the people, the public thing, meaning the people's interest. <clears throat> so democracy and republic is exactly the same. It, it is exact synonym. And you can say, well, democracy is the rule of the mob, a majority, isn't it? No, it's not. Every single democracy that has existed in the world and still exists, from ancient Greece to those Anglo-Saxon villages that later invaded England and brought that democratic, independent spirit with them, to America, to everywhere else, wherever democracy exists, there is always a mechanism, sometimes called constitution, that balances the will of the majority with the rights and interests of individuals, minorities, and interest groups. For example, business groups. You know, beef farmers, soybean farmers, egg farmers, uh, lobbies for foreign countries, Churches, religious groups, you name it. So democracy is a system of government that provides a kind of a modus vivendi, a way of living together for the will of the majority of the people on one hand and the various interests of individual people, of various groups, minorities, and so on, on the other hand. And this is true for every republic, democracy that has ever existed and will ever exist because that's just what it is. There is literally no country and never has been that somehow always succumb to the will of the majority no matter what. And you have to remember that you know when the founding fathers created the constitution they didn't really invent anything out of nothing. They didn't invent the concept of the constitution and what they put in the constitution was not <coughs> highly inventive either. They substantially copied with adaptations the English system. And they created the, you know, they created the bicameral legislature just like in England with the House of Commons that is called in American English Congress. 
and the upper house, House of Lords, which they gave a Roman name because they kind of liked the Roman uh, Republic before it became uh, an empire, <clears throat> a monarchy, again, kind of in name. But anyway, they called it the Senate, right? And then they created a king-like, though elected, uh, position called presidency. And just like in 18th century, late 18th century England, the kings and queens were kind of uh, powerless or less powerful when it came to internal matters, especially matters regarding to raising taxes and spending money, but were powerful when it came to a foreign policy and military policy. Well, the founding fathers copied that too. They gave the Congress and the Senate the, string of the, the strings of the purse and the power to tax. And they gave the president almost unfettered powers in foreign policy and in military policy. So while the Constitution um, uh, was a, a wildly successful document and one that served well for its time and place and people and also had uh, kind of good instruments built in to be interpreted by the Supreme Court and the court system and amended by a certain process, which it has been many times. It was a, uh, a very erudite document, which means that the people who wrote it, the founding fathers, they were among the best educated and least ignorant people on the planet at that time. So if you, my friends, want to be like the Founding Fathers, the worst thing you can do is not to go to college and stay uneducated. Because the Founding Fathers, each and every one, there were no plumbers, electricians, well, that electricians didn't exist back then. But if the Founding Fathers, even those who were farmers, let's say, and had plantations, they all had university degrees and were widely read, widely read. They were among the most educated people on the planet. Most of them knew many languages, obviously English, but also Latin, Greek. They read voraciously of the history of ancient Greece and Rome and so on. Can you say that about yourself? It's all available. You can get the full writings of Titius Livius <clears throat> who wrote the definitive history of the Roman Republic on Amazon Kindle for 99 cents in English. Go read it. That will bring you closer to the Founding Fathers because they sure as heck read it. Right? What's stopping you? Being ignorant is honestly the dumbest thing that you can do. And and being not ignorant doesn't mean that you have street smarts. And that's what uh, brought President Trump down so hard. Trump uh, famously, notoriously commented about himself that while he did go to a good school <clears throat> and had a college degree, his main attribute or his main strength was his so-called instinct or his gut. But what is instinct or gut? 
instinct or gut is just your life experience combined with uh, a certain level of intelligence, right? So if you have a, a reasonably high level of intelligence, which I'm sure President Trump does has, and you have a, a varied life experience, including successes and failures and so on, then, yeah, you develop strong intuition, which can often be useful and give you good direction, but only in matters that are pertaining or fall into the realm of experiences that you have had in your life, because that's what your intuition is based on. I remember when I went to engineering school and I studied thermodynamics, there is very strange kind of stuff that happens in the core of stars, where the temperature reaches tens of millions of degrees, you know, centigrade or whatever. That does, at that point, doesn't matter what degree you use, it's hot, okay? And the matter exists in this plasma state, neither liquid nor solid nor gas, whatever. So the stuff is very weird. And I remember one of the students asked this old professor, but this, but professor, this is just counterintuitive. And the professor said, well, listen, what kind of intuition do you have for temperatures that are 10 million degrees? Have you been there? More on this in the next segment. My fellow Americans, you've watched for decades as radical Marxists have systematically taken over some of our nation's most cherished institutions. And like us, we're pretty sure you're not happy about any of it. But this is the America we now find ourselves in. AmericaOutloud.com is fighting back with one of the fastest growing conservative media networks in the world. Featuring some of the nation's most influential experts and commentators. It is a fight for the soul of humanity. America Out Loud Talk Radio is the voice of liberty and justice for all. Welcome back to the show, my friends. So yeah, so the previous segment, right, I ended by, by the story, with the story where this old engineering prof, when I went to engineering school in Israel, kind of scolded this one of the students who asked him why the behavior of uh, material at the center of stars was so counterintuitive. And of course, his answer to, to the student was that we as humans who live in the narrow band of temperatures between, at most, let's just round it off, negative 50 to plus 50 degrees Celsius, right? And uh, what is it? Let's say minus uh, 50 to plus 100 degrees Fahrenheit or minus 50 to, okay, plus 150 degrees Fahrenheit. That's our intuition, you know? But even if you include us doing things like looking at molten metal and, uh, you know, boiling potatoes and, <laughs> I don't know, frying, you know, maybe we, we had a job in a, you know, McDonald's, you know, um, and we had to fry fries in the deep fryer and maybe we had some splattered with that hot oil that's hotter than, that's what, probably 500 Fahrenheit, something like that. Put that in, okay? Say we have experiences to 10,000 Fahrenheit. But what does it have to do with 10 million? 
that is in the center of the sun. Or even with one million, that is kind of on the outs outside of the sun and the corona. We have no intuition for what we don't know and have never experienced. In order to know something about these uh, situations for which we have no intuition, we need education. We need the results of careful study using various instruments and so on. And we need to believe it only to the point that we know that it has been verified by experimentation and so on. But that's how we know. We know because we study, not because we experience. And if you look at the trajectory of uh, President Trump, you could see that it was a very successful one until the COVID pandemic. And it was a successful trajectory up until then because his gut, his instinct worked well for him. He dealt with various people, be it you know, Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer and uh, or be it uh, Kim Jong-un or be it Emmanuel Macron or Vladimir Putin. And these people were not much different, really, than the bosses of construction unions in New York, right? Or, you know, which are substantially controlled by the mafia. In other words, those were powerful people that had certain interests and certain strengths and certain weaknesses. And Trump has dealt with those types of people all his life. And in some cases, like Schumer, you know, Chuck Schumer, he actually dealt with him all his life <laughs> because they're of the same generation, both from New York. And Trump often alluded to that. So not like people like him, but actually with him. So his intuition about these types of people and even Kim Jong-un, who Trump never, whom Trump never met before, but he was just another thug, if you want to call it, or somebody who understood power and Trump said, hey, you know what? Or President Xi of China, it's another guy. Well, you know, you understand power, I understand power, let's negotiate. The art of the deal, that's straight out of Trump's, it's, it's in his wheelhouse. It's at the center of his gut, of his intuition. But then came this virus. Doesn't matter where it came from, but it came. And it scared the hell out of people. Rightly, wrongly. The fact is it scared the hell out of people. And the virus is not a Chuck Schumer or a, or a Kim Jong-un. The virus is, <laughs> I mean, it's not even a single cellular organism per se. It's something that I, who, you know, somebody who has a PhD in engineering and so on, don't pretend to understand because it's outside of my expertise. So what did Trump do? He didn't do anything right, unfortunately. He tried to treat this virus 
as if it were another Chuck Schumer or Kim Jong-un. And you could say, well, how can I say that? And, and, I, and I say, I can say that because for Trump, this virus was kind of personified by doctors Fauci and Burks. You know, the people who happened to be around for, for ages around the American healthcare bureaucracy in this area of uh, virology and immunology. Okay, so Trump failing to understand and failing to take into account that Fauci and Burks were not the virus and the virus didn't give, you know, a hoot about Fauci or Burks, obviously, right? And the virus didn't give a hoot whether it escaped from a Chinese lab or, you know, from a Chinese turtle. And it doesn't matter. Maybe later it matters when we investigate how this whole fiasco happened, but right now it doesn't matter. Whether it came from a wet market and some turtle, or it came from a bat, or it came from a virology lab in Wuhan. Who cares? I mean, again, there is a place for that, but, but at this point, especially a year ago when it started, who cares? But this idea that the virus is personified by somebody like Fauci. And then what Trump proceeded to do was to say, oh, okay, well, you, Mr. Virus Fauci, you have certain strengths. And what do you want to do? Well, you want to shut down the American economy. Eh? But what do I want to do? I don't want to shut down the American economy. Well, Mr. Virus Fauci, you have power because you obviously can scare the American people. But I, President Trump, also have power because I have a base of supporters who think that you are just a figment of the imagination. So let's negotiate. Well, I mean, this is all a load of BS. That's not how you address a natural phenomenon like a virus. In other words, a, an epidemic, a viral infection. What Trump should have done, had he been better educated and kind of understood that what is happening is not a figment of anyone's imagination, is not, it's not um, an attempt by Chinese President Xi to destroy America. And even if it is, it doesn't really matter because you have to deal with it via science. But when I say science, I don't mean it like the left means it. I don't mean some sort of weaponized, you know, let's you know, destroy our political enemies kind of science. I mean, real science. I mean, when you're the president of the United States, you can find within five minutes flat who are the best virologists and the best immunologists in the world. Let's say the 10 best. And maybe they're anywhere. Japan, Korea, Israel, Germany, France, U US, Mexico, Brazil, you name it. You can find out within 10 minutes who they are 
and tomorrow morning they're in DC working for you. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. You pay them whatever they want. You, 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 you give them lab facilities. You, whatever, right? You get them over. And then all of a sudden you have a, a board of 10 best in the world who are not necessarily, and maybe I would even avoid Americans. Just get not un-American, you know, people who are not American. So you, cannot say, you can not say that they have po- uh, political opinions that you know, matter anything in America or they even care. People who don't vote in America and who don't know uh, who, uh, anything about American politics necessarily. And most scientists are like that, who are not American. Get them over there and say, okay, Dr. Fauci, Dr. Burks, here is your support group. When you work through your recommendations, you present them to the support group and see what they think and get them to vote on them. And then you come to me and you say, we have a six to three, we have to six to four or seven to three or whatever majority to, to take this course of action. And this would have protected Trump's flank politically. He could have then come up with a smart, acceptable federal policy that the states would have had to adjust to or kind of uh, adapt themselves to. And he would have completely defanged this leftist line of attack that he is somehow not following science. And he's sacrificing American life for the almighty dollar or for the economy. But even beyond the political aspect of it, which would have been uh, very good for Trump, and he would have, uh, it, w- it would have made, if, if he had followed this, ty- this course of action, and if he had, you know, there was a time when he was doing all these press conferences every day about the virus. And honestly, they were a disaster politically. A disaster. He didn't look like he knew what the heck he was talking about. And then there was this whole story about Fauci saying this and then Trump saying that. And, you know, Fauci was like, when he was being interviewed, because whether he thinks so or not, or maybe because he wants to be liked by the establishment, Fauci, of course, says, oh, Trump is an idiot. And then Trump has to say, well, no, Fauci is an idiot. Well, if he had 10 leading scientists that Fauci had to go through to get to him, then none of this would have happened. But this is what happened. And if Trump had approached this correctly, there was, there was no way that the establishment could have taken away his electoral win in the presidential election of 2020. Because Trump would have been popular not only with the wrong half of Americans, Americans but also he wouldn't have looked like a total buffoon loser to the other half. Because, you know, the right, if you want to call it that, even though it's the left, half of America, the elites, they also have to take into account the other half, kind of. And in order for them to override this bottom half of America, they have to feel pretty damn strongly about it. 
to the point where they steal so brazenly a presidential election. And the reason they allowed themselves to do that was that Trump made himself into a laughingstock when it came to the COVID pandemic. And the United States looks like a total laughingstock in the eyes of the world. I mean, you have states like Florida, where everything is open, right? And then you have states like Massachusetts, where everything is kind of locked down. And then you have, you know, 50 flights a day from Boston to Fort Lauderdale, Fort Lauderdale Miami, Tampa. No quarantine, no nothing. How does that work? So, you know, and even when it comes to vaccines. So Pfizer, leading, leading vaccines, American company. Where is the U.S. in terms of vaccinations? Far behind Israel, for example. Why? I'm talking about per capita. Coming back to this concept of ignorance, um, ignorance, is, ignorance is a bad thing. But we, we can't all know everything. And that's, that's totally understood. There is not a single human being on planet Earth, no matter how well-educated and how brilliant, who is not ignorant about many things. But then there is what I call kind of weaponized ignorance. The ignorance that you're proud of. And that kind of ignorance that when you become proud of it, that's where you destroy yourself. And that's where you destroy your children. When you recommend to your children to not go to college, you are limiting their future. You're basically being an abusive parent. Now, if your children are just not amenable to going to college in any way, shape, or form, sure, fine. But this line that somehow, you know, trades or, you know, things of that nature are preferable to getting a university degree is just not supported by how things are in America or anywhere in the world. I mean, there are people working for the government, you know, the, the, the vast government bureaucracy on every level, local, state, and federal, in the United States, doing all kinds of jobs that nobody ever heard of, and maybe nobody ever needs, but they're there doing them, right? in the EPA, in the Department of Education, in the Department of Natural Resources, and HUD, and you name it. You know what's common to all of them with their wonderful jobs, with God knows how, what kind of perks and pension? You know, after they retire, they get a wonderful pension. They get all kinds of vacation time. They get the best, the best health care. Um, they never miss a paycheck, uh, pandemic or not. Pande- how do you get those jobs? How many people are working for the government who don't have college degrees? Not many, believe me. And those who are working for the government without college degrees cannot advance. Even the police and the military, in the fire department, you cannot really advance beyond certain level without a college degree. So not having one puts a ceiling on, on your achievement, right? On, and what I call it, on your agency. <laughs>
on how you can influence the course of America. And we're coming to the end of the show, my friends, but I just want to come back to this very simple fact. No country is ever governed from the bottom. No country is ever governed by its uneducated half. Be the educated half. Influence. Stay free. See you next time.